Today on Happy Sad Confused, Daniel Radcliffe goes to heaven for his new comedy, Miracle Workers. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy Sad Confused. I'm back and alive from the Sundance Film Festival, guys. If you follow me on social media, you probably know by now that I was obnoxiously tearing my way through Sundance, seeing a ton of movies, interviewing a ton of people, and just trying to survive. Although I will say the weather here in New York is way more brutal <laughs> than it was in Sundance. So there's that. Um, but yes, had a blast at Sundance, my 13th Sundance in a row. I'm back every year. I love it. Um, it was, it was, it was a trip. It was great. I saw, like I said, I probably between, I want to say it was like 17 or 18 different films. Um, some of my favorites included, uh, a film called the farewell starring Aquafina, who had two films at the festival, uh, blinded by the light, which is this delightful Bruce Springsteen tinged, uh, story directed by, uh, the filmmaker behind Bennett, like Beckham. It is heartwarming and sweet and filled with Springsteen songs. Uh, it's great. Um, I saw a lot of, a lot of films you're going to be hearing about later in the year, late night from Mindy Kaling and starring Emma Thompson. And Mindy is going to get a lot of attention. Big time adolescence with Pete Davidson is going to get a lot of attention. Uh, so I was able to catch up with a lot of a lot of quality things. A really interesting film called Loose that's going to be provo- that's pretty provocative and it's going to inspire a lot of conversation later this year. Um, it was a blast. And in terms of conversations, uh, we talked to so many great people. We've been putting out a lot of those conversations on MTV's social media, on my social media. I've been putting it out there, and and there's a ton more to come. We're 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 basically, I think, flooding the zone with extended interviews with all of the people I spoke to in the next week. So look out for, if you want to just follow the MTV News YouTube or MTV News's Twitter, my Twitter, you're going to see it all there. And it's conversations with, um, I mean, Army Hammers, Aussie Beats, Lupita Nyong'o, Josh Gad, Aquafina, um, uh, Jeff Goldblum, Chris O'Dowd. I mean, the list goes on and on. It was, uh, it was an embarrassment of riches. So um, I hope you enjoyed and will enjoy my Sundance coverage, live vicariously through me without all the exhaustion. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I hope you, hope you check it out and enjoy. As for this week's podcast, uh, Mr. Daniel Radcliffe came back. He was one of the earliest guests on the podcast. He's somebody um, I've had the pleasure with talking to, I mean, probably dozens of times. <laughs> it's actually crazy to think about how many times I've, I've done interviews with him here at film festivals, sketches for after hours. Um, he's, he's always game. He's always down. He's the nicest guy in the room, super talented, super industrious. Uh, I've seen, I think, all of his theater. He's just the most gracious, great guy. Can't say enough about him. And I'm so thrilled to say that his new series, Miracle Workers, that he came on to talk about is a delight. It is um, from a uh, writer by the name of Simon Rich, and it's this high concept um, story of guardian angels. Um, uh, Daniel plays one of them and Steve Buscemi playing God, who's this kind of like fed up deity that's just sort of like done with the earth. Um, and it's, it's high concept and weird, but it's totally, it's, it's hilarious. My sense of humor, Dan's uh, sense of humor. Um, if you like my stuff, if you enjoy the comedy that I've done, I think you're going to enjoy miracle workers. Uh, it starts on February 12th on TBS highly recommended. Uh, and this conversation was, was fantastic as it always is with Dan. Um, 
he's unguarded, he's honest, he's open. Uh, yes, we talk, of course, Potter stuff and Fantastic Beasts and Cursed Child, but he's so much more than that. Uh, we talk about sort of where he came upon the manners that he shows and the way he carries himself on and off set, uh, the choices he's made, the future projects he's looking to do, his newfound love of Star Wars, his feelings about comic book movies. There's a lot here. Um, I think you'll enjoy this one as much as I did. I hope so, at least. Uh, as always, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Happy, Sad, Confused on iTunes or however you get your podcasts. Spread the good word. Uh, and I'll just leave it at that and hope you enjoy this conversation with Mr. Daniel Radcliffe. Always pleased uh, to catch up with my buddy, Mr. Daniel Radcliffe. It's good to see you, man, as always. Thank you for having me, as always. Um, I missed you in Sundance. How you, how, did you have yeah, a good time? I did. It was nice. I, it, was, it was the first time I've been to Sundance without the pressure of having to sell a film, right. which was really, really nice. Not that that pressure like falls on me normally, but you know, it's it's the first time you, I've gone into one of those weekends with like not having to expect anything to come out of it, which is nice. So we just sort of went down there and um, you know screened the show for a, for a bunch of people eating eggs uh, it was like a brunch <laughs> screening so everyone's just it's actually it was a good idea actually it was it meant it was a little uh, just a lot more chilled everyone's just kind of having breakfast and watching the show nice um and then uh, i hadn't actually seen the show at that point and i didn't want to and i certainly didn't want to see it in a room for the first time in a room full of other people who were watching it and so i kind of like i did the intro and then i went upstairs and i was starting reading my book and then uh i they it was also on the tv upstairs and i gradually sort of sort of gave up on my book and was just like, oh no, okay, I'll watch it a bit. Let's see what this is. And I was actually, yeah, it was, I was, I was really pleased with it. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's funny. Great. It's funny you say that. So we'll get into it in a little yeah, bit. Yeah. It's, it's miracle workers. Mm. And, but I will say this, I was at Sundance and as you know, like everybody there is so crazed and like we were doing the wall to wall interviews and I've seen tons of films. Uh, and I knew I was going to talk to you when I got back and I'd have time, but I was like one night when I got back to the condo and I was like, I'm going to check it out. I totally got sucked in. I, oh, I literally watched the first six episodes in a row oh, in like the busiest time frame for me. Oh, so that should awesome. speak volumes. It does. No, it really. Does. It's a really. I mean, I I was on. I was on. You know, I whenever I watch something for the first time, I'm always kind of like, oh god, is this okay? Is it good? Um, and I watched it and I really liked it. But then I immediately like didn't trust my reaction. I was like, well, maybe you know, I watched with. And then I watched it with Erin, my girlfriend, and she was like crying laughing in some of the second or third episodes so I was like okay no I think we've we've done all right yeah no you're, you're speaking my language with this one yeah, and, and, I, and, I got, and I got a chance to meet uh, Geraldine out there oh, which great. for her she's film. for Hala yeah yeah, yeah she's yeah. awesome she seems to have a good head on her she shoulders, is so. like one of those people that when you know obviously around the time we were filming you could tell like everything was going very well for her and it was about like she was right. about to kind of break out and uh it's just one of those things where you couldn't wish it on a more deserving person like she's so she's so good first of all she's so funny she's so good she's so uh lovely as a person and to work with on set she's also which is a quality i really appreciate she's really she's like tough as nails like she um you know she she very badly hurt her ankle and was doing the last week of filming on our job on crutches and just oh, like really? never you know never complained, complained yeah. and like you know she's she's great 
Meanwhile, you walked in here. You're just moaning about everything. Just like, I've been up since, you know, six. <laughs> this is, I can't. Oh. Barbaric. Not, uh, no, not you right. at all. No, it's barbaric. <laughs> I, I should say, I feel like there should be a disclaimer on this podcast where, like, the, the only person that talks faster than me, perhaps, is you. So if you want yeah. to slow down your podcast speed by, like, <laughs> Yeah, you can do, the, like, the one half speed or whatever it is <laughs> that I sometimes put on accidentally and go, why is Chris Hayes talking so slowly? <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's I I have been told that I uh, speak like I'm at a cattle auction um, before, so that's you, so apologies you to, to your listeners. No, yeah. no, they're used to it. As I said, <laughs> have you ever seen the um, the Jeff Goldblum old Mac commercial slowed down? No, it's one of those like great like that, now that one happens all the time. But this was like one of those early like viral videos where someone discovered if you like half speed old Jeff Goldblum Apple commercials, it's just the most entertaining thing on really? the planet. How we recommend it. Okay, great. I will. I don't know what I'm doing with my evening. <laughs> <laughs> Three I hours saw the, um, the. Have you seen the um, Will Ferrell beer adverts? Oh, I don't know. If, oh, the local ones he yes, did, right? Yes, I, yes, yes. Somebody made me aware of them the other day. <laughs> and I'm just like, that is the best idea. And why more companies don't just like let. Yeah, people just go to town with their product. I mean, it's just the first one where he's just like lying in a farm. He's like, I have no idea how I got here. <laughs> it's just the start of it. Oh, it's so good. He, I, I admire him for so many reasons, but like, he's somebody who just revels in these like, it's like this almost like avant-garde experimental comedy, yeah. even where he's at today like totally. you know he did that lifetime movie a couple years yeah. ago it's which just, was which everyone like thought was going to be a joke but actually was like you, straight, know, totally you really wanted just to do a big <laughs> lifetime movie like yeah why not but i do feel like he's at one he's like at the stage in his career which like a few people get to which is awesome where you can just do what it, like yes. ian mckellen in england just went on coronation street like he did an arc in Coronation Street, which is like one of our soaps. Why like, not, it, right? you know, why not? Like, and then he played. I think he did. He's done like a dame. It'd been a dame in a in a pantomime at the Roy, uh, the Old Vic for like Amazing. a few years. Like, yeah, it's just I love I love stuff like that. And uh, yeah, and Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. Yeah, I just like please do more ads. I will will be a more, lot more fun. Have you seen Vice yet? Yes. I loved it. Me too. It. I know it's divisive. I, I, yeah. Why is it divisive? Can you explain? I haven't really bothered reading any of the reviews <laughs> or any of the articles about it. It, it was it was on my top was ten, it and, it was and Adam like, came in. I love. I think it was. Was the it because it was like sympathizing Cheney? Was that no, their thing? Because I, I, I didn't find that was the case. I don't think that's the case. I think it was more. Um, I think people thought it was too on the nose, actually, that uh-huh. it was um, not nuanced enough. I'm doing devil's advocate because I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm in the yeah. bag for it. And I, I think also the form. I think people mistook. You know how, like, look, McKay in Big Short in this, he's, like, he's fucking with the form, right? Yeah. He's, he's totally, like, not going the straight biopic route, which I love, but I think to some people feels messy and, oh, like, he doesn't know what he's God, doing. No, I was just like, no, this is, like, no, I think you can only make those kind of jokes if you know exactly what you're doing. Right. Like, if you, you know, the credits rolling halfway through the film. Is, I lost I, my mind. It was my, that's my favorite <laughs> moment in film this year. I didn't stop laughing for the entire, and it goes on it's and like, on. What's great? that is the commitment to it yeah. it's not just like 20 seconds it's like goes on for no, a whole it's minute. like you get a full <laughs> cast list like it's so good i was just yeah i i was i was blown and also i read um jane mayer's book um the the dark side uh-huh. um kind of not long ago and and if it's a, it's a, that book works as a like the film kind of an amazing companion piece to that book right. and and just you know and seeing how 
you know, they did stuff like um, the, 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 you know, the Alfred Molina scene where you suddenly breeze through all the, you one brilliant, concise scene where yes. you get a real sense of like all the shit these guys were doing. Yes. I mean, but in a really fun, crazy way. Like, I know, I, that, I think that's probably my, my, my favorite, um, favorite film of this year. Have you been going through the, the screeners? Have you been caught up on some I've stuff? I've done a few. I've not done as many as I should have. I'm, I'm, uh, I've done well. I mean, as always, I always do better on documentaries than I do on any of the features. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you like on the dark side? I mean, this year, I, I love Three Identical Strangers. Too. I'm so I, bummed they I, didn't I, get a nomination. I, I, I was bummed that I was more bummed that Mr. Rogers didn't. That seemed bizarre. Because I, to me, like Three Identical Strangers, it's an amazing story. Like it's really well made as well. Right. But if it hadn't been well made, I still probably would have really been into it because right. the story is just insane. Right. Mr. Rogers, as somebody growing up in England, right. I have no relation to him. Like right. the, the film started, and I was like. It's just gonna go really dark, like because all the British TV <laughs> comedians oh, sure. of that era. Yeah, who's the guy that turned into like a Jimmy Savile? Like, yeah, you yeah, know, they're yeah. all, all those like older guys that had the thing in kids TV, like that. In England, that would be a dark movie. And then I just watched it, and it made me care about this person I have no concept of, really. And right. it was just like, it's what an amazing human being. And yeah. now Tom Hanks is playing him because he's the only human being that I think probably could, because right. he's as beloved as Mr. Rogers. Um, but yeah, no, I, so it was, it was, it's, it's been, a, I do feel like it's been a really cool, and I'm glad that Black Panther is being recognized in a, it's in, in a proper way. Yeah. It's very good as well. Did you watch uh, On the Dark Side? Have you watched either of the Fire Docs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I am fascinated by that. I mean, I j it is such a testament to how, like, you know, being a, a white dude who's a fairly good talker will get you so far, but not all the way. Right. Like, will well, get you to the point where you can really fuck up publicly. Right. But, like, that's the thing. Although you, I'm because, thinking about our American political system, and I'm not sure... True, but in the same where way... Where happens. But in happens. the same way, like, he's got in there, and now it's a shit show. Like, yeah. it's the same... Like, he can't actually do it. I just want the comeuppance. I want him. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> absolutely. But I, th I think that was the thing for me about watching... I mean, and, and there were so many moments that I was just like... It's also like it is. It is. It is hard to. There was a couple of those people where you know when one girl's on the plane like complaining that's not first class. I'm like, yeah, I don't feel sorry no, for you. Exactly. I'm sorry. I'm kind of glad like a kind of shitty there's, things about to happen. There's but something are, Darwinian about it. Yeah, definitely. Also, I was watching it going like, they are lucky no one died. They Absolutely. are that no one had a medical emergency, <laughs> that no one got drunk and fell in the water. Like they are spectacularly lucky yeah. that no one died. That is. Uh, <laughs> the driver, the driver when they're all getting into the city yeah. and the driver of the bus is just like clearly reveling in the fact that he's telling all these like young hipsters that he's just like, you guys are fucked. And they're <laughs> all like, laughing like, yeah, right. Yeah, and then the, the, they pull over and just see the FEMA tents and you go, yeah, oh God. <laughs> yeah, just no, amazing. Oh no. Yeah, <laughs> it was a, yeah so I, I enjoyed those, uh, enjoyed those documentaries yeah, I'm, I'm, as well. I, By the time I was get through the second doc, I was Which like, one, what, what did, I, went, I did both. Which order oh, did so you I do did, it in? Um, Hulu first. I was probably only intending on doing one of them, yeah. I, and I even asked on Twitter which one should I see, and I had heard Hulu was better, and indeed I liked Hulu more. Yeah, me too. Um, but at, after like one of them, and after both of them, I was like, I, I could watch this Making a Murderer style. I could watch ten <laughs> hours of this. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I could be in there for all the. Just every, I want to see every meeting that Billy was in because you just go, how did you get this money? What a character! How did people? It's going to be a. Money? I mean, and it's also going to be a great. Like, I'm sure someone's making a narrative fiction well, probably, about who. Yeah, like, I'm absolutely. The guessing game on who's going to play Billy at this point. I mean, that's the thing. Seth MacFarlane's too old, but he has a kind of look, doesn't he? Yeah, totally, totally. but not. He's too. He is too old. <laughs> um, um. So as we take this, and we're going to. 
pushed us out immediately. Um, uh, the biggest football event of the year is this weekend. You made yes. some news on your, and I'm totally with you on the Tom Brady Good. thing. I, I, I dislike him only because he doesn't uh, also eat tomatoes. I don't understand a person that just decides arbitrarily not to eat tomatoes. <laughs> what, and like a like, blanket? Yeah. What, does he have it's tomato not, sauce? Does he have ketchup? No, it's like part of his weird diet. Him and oh, Giselle like just live their like special... I mean, this is the thing. I, as soon as I made that comment, for those who don't know, I made some comment about Tom Brady having a MAGA hat in his right. locker. Um, and as soon as I made it, I was like, you fucking idiot. Why <laughs> Do you, you know when, you, when you're in an interview yeah. and you've said something and yeah. it's like, oh, fuck. I'm just like, oh, that's going to get picked up. <laughs> and, and, and it was that thing of like, and, and I, it was like, the you know, Sundance. We'd done a bunch of interviews that day and I was like hopped up on coffee and just getting flippant through my third one. I was like, yeah, get that MAGA hat away. And I was like, oh, what have you done? Cause I, not because I, in any way, because the thing is, I should just made the point more nuanced that I used to be literally obsessed with Tom Brady like I the the Brady Six for anyone who hasn't watched it is an amazing sports documentary about how rough it is being an athlete and and frankly how amazing Tom Brady's story is Um, and so you know I I watched him in that I I met him once and was able to tell him like I've just like find your story so inspirational and all of that's true which is why I was very disappointed when like you know he picked Team Death Star Um, and 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 so you know it's it's yeah yeah, it is. It was one of the... And also, but aside from that, like, it's more that the Patriots are just... The Patriots now are Manchester United in the 1990s. They're just too good and right. have been for too long. Right. And for this year to have been, like, so many cool teams and so many exciting, like, young teams, for it just all to end in another fucking Patriots victory right. is just very anticlimactic. I'm sorry, Boston sports fans. You've had plenty of championships. I don't feel sorry for you. It's the same argument. I'm used to hearing that because, like, I grew up a, and still I'm a huge Yankees fan. Oh, right, right, and, yeah. and I would always say, like, I, of course, grew up in the one era when the Yankees didn't win. Like, they went oh. 15 years without, like, winning a World Series. Like, the only hole in their thing was, like, my childhood. So I'm like, Perfect. I'm not... Yeah. I'm not go, the home... You're I'm, not I'm, fair weather. I'm not you, fair yeah. weather. I actually went through the dark times, yeah. too. Um, but, yeah, so I'm curious. So, like, right now... Um, what like what, what's going to occupy your brain with fantasy football over the fifteen percent of your brain that's been obsessed with fantasy football? What do you fill it what with? I in the now that football season. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I read again. I start reading more. <laughs> you need to relearn that skill. Oh, yeah, like, I, you know, I read. I'll you know, I'll start talking to my girlfriend again, friends. Um, for good yeah, or for bad. She's yeah. Like, oh god, I bet Dan back. Oh, shit, fantasy does over. Dan's going to come talk to me again. Um, but no, so I've 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 always. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, fantasy this year was a disaster. Oh, I was sorry. very, very bad. But it was so bad that it became funny in one league. Like, I ended up 1-10 in one one and however many games. I won one game. Um, and uh, my girlfriend almost won that league. So we had, like, completely symmetric, uh, symmetrical seasons in that she ended up with one loss and I ended up with one win. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then the other league that I'm in, I had, like, the second highest points total in the league but ended up finishing eighth because I played right. the person, like, the highest score in the week. I think something like six weeks out of the right. 13 or whatever it was. There's no um, justice. So, you know. But is I, it a keeper league or do you start from scratch? It is a keeper league. No, okay. I, you're allowed to, you can't keep your first round pick, but you can, uh, yeah, you can keep anyone else. Do you, and uh, you can't keep last year's keeper. That's it, the rule. Do you have other actor friends? Is like Dane in your league? Or Dane, um, Dane is no longer in the league. Okay. Dane Dane has a young child now. And so I think, I think was, uh, yeah, yeah. was, was the, like. It was the kid or football? Yeah, I think so a little <laughs> bit. Um, who else have we got in there? There are some, who are, uh, I stumbled onto this amazing uh, all-star league of like apparently every big Marvel actor are in the same league together oh, really? and I found out that Chris Evans has won like the last two years and it's like Evans and Pratt and uh, Anthony Mackie I and Cheadle. Um, <laughs> I know that 
because uh, Bobby Cannavale and I just did a play together. Right. And he's in a league with like John Hamm and Paul Rudd, and like, right. and okay. they have like a big fantasy draft every year. I was like, yeah, they're in like a, they're a real cool guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool comedy drama guy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so, okay, so so going back, I, I want to uh, like, since we have some time, let, let's talk a little bit about. I'm curious. Okay, so like, I, I'm always struck by, and I've, we've known each other for a while. Um, from the start, you've been like the most gracious person to like me and everybody like on a shoot. You come in, you introduce yourself to everybody. It's a very, it's a, it's, and it's it's organic. It doesn't feel forced at all. I'm curious, like where that came from. Like, was that something you saw from like the adult actors on the on the Potter set? Or um, anyone no, I mean, I remember hearing a story on the first film from uh, an AD called Michael Stevenson, who's kind of a legend in the British film industry. Literally, you could have 300 extras walk into the Great Hall. He will know every name on the way out that day. He remembered my... He had worked on a film that my mum had cast ten... Like, five, six years before I got cast in Potter. She had visited set for one day, and when we came in for my audition, he remembered her and remembered her name. Like, he's just an amazing guy. Um, But he told me a story about Michael Caine very early on. That was... He was like, you know, when Michael comes onto set, by the end of that first day, he'll know everyone's name when he introduces himself. And I always thought, like, you know, that's that sounds like a good way to be. Um... And I think it's also, honestly, like, if I'm being kind of, you know, to be frank, like, it comes partially from a a knowledge that, uh, like, the reputation that child stars have or the the assumption that people make about child stars is that we're going to be dicks. So that, like, every time, uh, like, a lot of my energy is just, like, goes into communicating with every second that I meet a person that I am not a dick. Right. <laughs> or that I'm not what they expect me to be. I'm a well, dick, and, <laughs> and also the knowledge that the small, smallest dick move, the smallest moment will be a story that can right. grow and become a reputation. Yeah, and, a, and, and, I do, and, and also, and it does come from a very genuine place. Like, I don't know how actors who are horrible... Um, do their job or have fun or why they do it. Like, walking onto a film set of people you know hate you must really suck. (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't know why anyone chooses to sort of live like that. Um, so yeah, and, and I just, I think that as, as an actor, particularly when you're young and you you can, you get a sense of actually like how profoundly your mood and your behavior can affect the day and affect everyone's day. Um, it always just seemed like a really important thing to, um, yeah, to try and create. And, you know, and as an actor and as a lead actor on set, you can be a part of making, of, of helping everyone to have a nice time and right. it to be a good place to work. And that's, you know, that's really important. Yeah, that is a fascinating thing that I hadn't even thought of, like, because I've talked to a lot of people over the years about sort of that nature of setting the tone. You're number one on the call sheet and setting the tone. But when you're... 10, 11, 12, what you were, and you were number one on the call yeah. sheet, that's that's a lot to put on a young person be like, okay, I'm going to set the tone and I'm like going through puberty and being like, oh, right. all this shit, like... Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I never felt like at the time, like, oh, you're, like, it was never put to me in those terms, so I didn't like feel that pressure. I think, well, that was one of the things that Chris Columbus was amazing at on those first two films was was getting us all enthused and, and excited to, to be there every day and but also focused and you know concentrating on the work um, and yeah and I think it was a honestly I think it was probably a conversation my parents had with me fairly early on was just like right. you know you do you do set the tone and and you know it's okay to if you're having a bad day you can have a bad day but you know don't let that spill over onto other people and or onto their work right. um, so yeah I, I I I think it's a real it's actually a real privilege if you get to set the 
tone on a set because you get to make the set the kind of set you want to work on. Right. Um, and I want to work on a set where everyone's having fun, but we're also like getting stuff done and are focused. Then right. when I'm in that position to do that, it's 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 a real yeah, it's a pleasure. So did did you ever? Go through an obnoxious phase. Like, was there not on set? Like, not not in not right, as in an the environment. Actor. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't think so. I mean, you know, look, there may very well be people that disagree with me on that, but um, but I think generally speaking, I was not like I'm sure I was an irritating and stupid teenage boy at some point, but more to do with just being a teenage boy than right. to do with being an actor. I'm curious, like. Was ignorance kind of bliss when you were a kid working with those, like, great esteemed actors with those long resumes? Like, you probably didn't know who Richard Harris no, was or anything. I knew, I knew everyone else was reacting like I really should, right. but I didn't know myself. Like, I went up to, I think, I always maintained the reason Maggie Smith enjoys me was that when I first met her when I was nine, I'd heard she was a dame. No idea who she was. So I just walked up to her, and the first thing I said was, do you want me to call you Dame? And she was like, no, um, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, and I think that sort of indeed. And I think, yeah, you're right, ignorance was bliss, because I was just going up to... The first person I remember being like, oh, whoa, was Gary Oldman. Was right. that Because that was like, I was old enough to have like, watched some of his films, right, right, right. and like I knew he was, and that was one of the first times that I was really like... You, you know, freaked out to meet somebody, but yeah, Maggie Smith, Richard Harris, you know, all those amazing, like Bob Hoskins on David Copperfield, all these amazing right, actors. Right, I was right. like, yeah, fine. Who are you? What, <laughs> was was Rick a bit intimidating? Because like, I did, I did one of, the, I had the privilege of doing one of the last conversations with him, and he was, and he, you know, I've talked to everybody, and like, he was, yeah, he was an intimidating guy. Oh yeah, so smart, so and so smart, and also like. Alan had that voice and yeah. so there's a lot of times people thought like and he had that voice and a very dry sense of humour yes. so sometimes people would think like oh he hates me <laughs> but like actually like, he really didn't like Alan I remember I Alan took me and um, Richard Griffiths out for dinner once after Equus and it was the first time that I'd sort of been with him as an adult like right. and not on the Potter set and just like seeing this man who has been you know, quite intimidating for a lot of my life, suddenly become, be vulnerable and funny and self-deprecating and all these things. And I mean, he, the, I cannot emphasize enough how, I went to his, uh, his memorial service in London and the, the, the amazing theme that developed there was just what a supporter of younger actors he was. There were so many young actors there who, you know, he had, taken time out to go and see their shows. I mean, he, he saw every every piece of theatre I ever did. He cut short his holiday in Canada to come and see me in Equus and then took me out for dinner afterwards and gave me, like, not notes, but, like, you yeah. know, talked to me about the show and was helping. It was we were a fair way into the run at that point. I was struggling some things, and he was very helpful. Um, and, you know, he didn't need to do that, and he didn't... I don't frankly know how he had the time to be as supportive of so many young actors as he did, and direct, and write, and be an amazing actor. Um, but, yeah, he was definitely intimidating for the first sort of two... particularly the first sort of three films. And I think that was also the time when, to be fair to all the older actors, like, they didn't know if we were going to be around for the whole series. Right. Like, right, they didn't right. even know if we're, you know, they... Um, and I think it was on the third film where me and Alan had some, like, proper one-on-one -on -one scenes together for the first time that he really started treating me differently and, sure. and, and a bit more like a grown-up. Well, I, I can't say from personal experience, he always spoke exceedingly uh, prideful and happy oh. with you guys. And I remember, like, that Good. conversation, he... Um, you know, and it probably wasn't his cup of tea, but he, I don't know if you remember, for what, that sketch we did, for you, me, and Dane, there was, like, a little cameo that Alan, like, taped that we put into the sketch oh, yes. that I'm sure he, he wouldn't have done for many we, people that he did for Oh, cool. Well, you. thank you, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Let's let's right. talk a little bit about uh, miracle workers because, yeah. like, I mean, we've talked before about this the, the post Potter career and and how you've charted this amazing path that's been very unique to you and, and reflected your um, aesthetic and sense of humor and and um, this one feels like I like I said it's right up my alley it's clearly right up your yeah. alley. Um, Talk to me a little bit about it's it's the right it's where it starts with is with the writer on this one right absolutely so I so this is uh, Miracle Workers is based on a book called What in God's Name uh, which you should all read it's fantastic and funny and very very short um, and I read this book Erin my girlfriend turned me onto this book and I read it and I was like this is amazing and I was able to get a meeting with Simon and I just said to him look if you ever do anything with this I, I really don't care in what capacity that I could work on this uh, but I just want to be involved um, and you know he, he could have turned around and said yeah we're doing it on the radio and I would have been like yeah great I am in um, and um, yeah, so I had that conversation with him, and then about a year later, he phoned me up talking about how he would like to do it as a TV series, and and how he would, if we are lucky enough to get a second series, it would be an anthology series. Right. Now, the thing that was amazing about that for me was that uh, I have wanted to do American TV for some time, um, but standard contracts of seven years um, and so I there was no way I was going to sign on to something for that long again and get locked into something for that long again um, and so when this came along and not only was the writing amazing and this series itself amazing but TBS had given Simon you know carte blanche to then change the story next you have a new setting new story new right. characters complete like American Horror Story but kind of for comedy um, and um that you know, the, so so basically, I wound up in a situation where I just get to do a new Simon Rich project every year, um, so, which to me is you know Simon's one of the the most talented writers I've ever worked with. Um, I think probably one of the most talented around, um, and he yeah, I mean he's. He manages in this series and and in lots of his work, he just creates this amazing tone that is both incredibly dark and sort of you know has a real edge to it in terms of the comedy you know there is a hell of a body count in this series right. <laughs> yeah, like, it basically starts with the premise that yeah. the earth is not worth keeping around and right so god decides to blow up the earth in the first episode very early on in the first episode the rest of the series is us either trying to convince him not to or trying to in fact just save the earth um so as a consequence of that you know we're in heaven so we're dealing with the running of the earth so when something goes wrong people die like <laughs> massively it ma huge large amounts of them sometimes and um so that was uh, so he manages to have this world where that exists and can happen but also it just be so incredibly sweet and right. heartfelt and earnest and full of like a real kindness and a real love for human beings in all our chaotic messy forms and um yeah i just think that was there was such a unique tone and style and it's something that i because I love comedy, but I don't particularly like like mean comedy. Right. Um, and and so yeah, I that was just something that I I was like yeah I don't know when I'm going to get a chance to to work on someone like this again. And so I, I I dived in and and then yeah probably about a year after that conversation we we started filming. And, and just to say a little bit more of the premise, you you, mm. you basically you and Geraldine are, are guardian angels as it were. Yeah. Kind of you specialize in these kind of mundane tasks. You're not into the yes. big stuff. Yeah, um, I, I I work in the department of answered prayers, which is a lot sort of less of a uh, an important or glamorous department than we would like to think it is. Um, and Craig is somebody who is so. 
terrified of failure that he has scaled back his ambitions to only achieve to only consist of the things he knows he can achieve, such as finding somebody's lost keys or finding somebody's lost gloves. Really, finding small lost things is sort of the bulk of my activity. Um, and then Geraldine's character Eliza comes in and has you know real actual ambition and wants to change the world. And I'm kind of there going, "Whoa, slow down! You're going to mess things up. We can't uh, we can't be getting crazy with uh, how many people people we're helping." Um, and so her journey is one of getting me to you know grow a pair basically right. and my journey is is one of sort of reining her in slightly from her her more reckless tendencies i was kind of taken aback that i was hearing your actual voice in this one i feel like generally <laughs> speaking i maybe i'm wrong i would have to go through the resume but like post potter i feel like most of your work you're doing a lot, lot of american accents. accents yeah there has stage been. maybe yeah i know i suppose you just see me on I stage as well which i was doing american yeah, accent yeah, yeah. and that and um yeah no i do i seem to work in accents all the time i'm 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 learning a new one at the moment learning South African oh, wow. uh, which is fun um, and yeah I did Israeli for a film if I never had to do that again that'd be great I just felt like I was Nah, shall I say this? Yeah, it's fine. Because um, I don't want to put it into people's heads in case they see it. But I, because I stay in the accent all day when I'm on set, I just I'm in the right. accent all the time. Right. And American, that's very easy to do. Like it doesn't feel like a big thing. When I was doing Israeli, I felt like I was doing a bad Borat thing the whole day. Right. And it like and it wasn't. And I've had many Israelis be very complimentary about my accent, which I'm very grateful for. But it it's so far from how I talk right. that it could never like sound natural to me. And that um, must be helpful for an actor because you're so self conscious. Yeah, to try exactly. Not to be and the whole thing head. is like, yeah, as you say, like the self-consciousness is the enemy of acting. So as, as much as you can stop yourself from thinking about yourself, the better. Um, so eventually I sort of, I, I was able to just go like, I'm going to sound like what I'm going to sound like. Right. I'm playing an Israeli. I've got to have a shot at it. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, there's, there's, um, but yeah, it is, it's kind of, and actually like this, this character in this show is, I mean, he's not like, I am not, thankfully, as pathetically scared of everything as Craig is. <laughs> but I, I, you know, there's a nervous energy in there, which is, is very much emanating from uh, my own my own self. So it was, uh, it, this, this character is probably more me in a lot of the way he speaks and the way he is than, than other characters right. have been. We haven't even mentioned also the, the third part, or there's a great ensemble, but Steve Buscemi. I yeah. said Buscemi. Both are fine. I asked him, is it Buscemi or Buscemi? He said it's both. In my head, I was like, it can't be. You I must know. have one name. Like the first like 30 years of my life, I said Buscemi, and then I heard, I thought I heard him or someone say Buscemi. I and think he does say Buscemi, okay. but he also says that it's fine to say Buscemi. Okay. I think he may be just being too nice. <laughs> it's a very nice set. Yeah, no, he was. I mean, he... he uh, Steve is just. I mean, it's, to be honest, it's always been my experience that the people who are really good and have been really good for a really long time are great. Like it's yeah. very rare that those are the troublesome ones. It's normally the people that are kind of in and out of the saddle of either work or fame yeah. that are that are tricky. Um, and Steve is just lovely. Like Steve, at one point, Steve was wondering. Um, uh, Car and Sony is in the show, and right. his parents were on set, and uh, Steve apparently saw them wandering around looking lost, and we have a big set that we're on and so he just like walked over to them and sort of guided them back to set and then like took them to craft services and was like chatting with them and then later they turned to Karen and was like oh yeah that guy he showed us around and he's Aww. like yeah he's the lead of the show <laughs> he's playing God that's Steve Buscemi um, but yeah he's just he's just a, a, a lovely lovely man and um, and yeah I'm, I'm and we were I mean just crazily lucky to get him yeah when you get when you get land someone like that you're like okay this is gonna work yeah, it really Were was. Were you a Lebowski guy? Are you a yeah, Lebowski? absolutely. Lebowski and Fargo. I mean, I'm I'm most of the Coen Brothers movies guy. I do. I I love them. But um, what's your top Coen Brothers movie or two? 
That's a big question, I know. Big Lebowski has got to be up there. Definitely. Um, I love Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, but I haven't watched it since I first watched it, but mm. that was probably the first one I saw. Got it. So that was very, that got very ingrained. Um, what else? I mean, you know, Fargo. Sure. I, yeah, sorry to name all the, no, the hits, no, no, but no. they are. They're, you know what's, what's going in my estimation since it came out a few years ago is Inside Lou and Davis. That one gets better and better, I right. feel like. Oh, I haven't I seen that, that one. Oh, really? No. A lot of them do that, though. I feel like yeah. a lot of them, I mean, it's the mark of a great film, is obviously standing the test of time, but, like, their films just are so new dense. things in them. Yeah. yeah. I also love The Man Who Wasn't There when that came out. I mm, really enjoyed that. I don't know if that holds up again, but I'm sure it that? does. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amazing. Um, okay, so we uh, also want to mention, uh, congrats, I got a chance to see you in Lifespan of a Fact, oh, yeah. cool. uh, you and uh, Cherry Jones and Bobby Cannavale. Um, when, you, when you end a run in a, in, a, in a play, are you, like, ready, or do you, like, do, you, do you, like, look towards the finish line? Do you, like, kind of know when you're kind of, like, I'm ready for the next thing? Yeah, it, it varies from play to play. It depends how long the run is. Like, I did a show called Privacy, which we, we did four weeks of uh, previews and four weeks of performances. And, like, we got to the end, and it was like, oh, Jesus, that's over. That's, right. I, I missed that. Um, this one, like, I've got to be honest, I was ready. Mm-hmm. Like, I was ready for it. It was great. Uh, we had a fantastic time. Um, but I think by the end, all of us were like, cool, we've done it. Yeah. Like, we've done it. It's been really good. And now we're. it was the perfect length of run for us. Um, and there is, you always... It always goes through, there's always the same kind of cycle, no matter what, generally, no matter what length run it is, which is like, you know, just get through rehearsal and then terror and adrenaline and fear just rule you through preview and and in a a kind of good, exciting way. Um, And then it's like that for sort of the first half to two thirds of the run. And then there's like a little couple of weeks where you're just like, will it ever end? (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> like, once you have said the same line, and not for any other reason than you start to, even though it is the experience is the same for an audience, whether they're hopefully coming in week one or week nine, yeah. you, by the time you get to week nine, you have said those lines so many times that there will just be moments that you no longer believe yourself in, even if it comes across as real to an audience. Right. Um, and I would think that's also exacerbated on something like, like a run like How to Succeed. That was a long run, right? Yeah. Like that was... I mean, How to Succeed was, we did I did for 11 months, and that, that was, it's interesting, it's so much harder doing like a musical like that than it is doing like a show like Cripple of Inish Man or Equus because mm-hmm. if you're having a great day you know I can make myself sad I can think about some stuff and get into a dark place and make myself sad if you're having a shit day and you're doing a bright and breezy musical right. getting up to that place of like okay guys I'm going to sing some songs yeah. is is that was that was I mean I do I maintain that doing a doing a musical is like the hardest work you can do as an actor well, basically just the physicality too you're, yeah. like, you're like a marathon runner like it's yeah. just it's... it was it was really good and I, I loved it and I have actually there is something incredibly bonding about being doing a musical with people I think I've probably got more or as many friends off that job than of any yeah, job you're in the trenches done. with them you yeah. really are yeah, and yeah. you screw up with each other and you know yeah. you're, you you have each other's back and I mean that was that was actually the real joy of, of lifespan as well was becoming a kind of um, like some weird super organism with Cherry and Bobby where we're all just very connected and like right. when, when, when the show was good and when, when it was a, like a good performance that night you really felt like wow we are one we are moving as one thing which yeah. is a really exciting thing to feel um, Do you, and do you consume a lot of like theatre obviously you can't while you're kind of in a production but yeah. I, just do, I do the rest of the time I don't if I have a play coming up yeah. or if I'm or, or if obviously I'm in one Bobby sometimes would go and see like two plays on his day off and I'm like I don't know how you 
are doing this. He's yeah. like, oh, I've got to support a friend. It was like, I don't care about my friends that much. Um, <laughs> Self-preservation. Um, um, but I, um, I, yeah, no, I, uh, what was the thing? I, I just saw uh, your buddy Paul Dano in True West. Oh, how's is, that? As you can imagine. Yeah. That's, that is a tough play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not Ethan switching Hawk. roles. No, they're not. I saw no. that production okay. way back yeah, when with uh, John C. Riley and Philip yes. Seymour Hoffman. That was epic too. Yeah, God. Um, but yeah, no. So I don't. I, watching a play when I'm about to be in one or in rehearsal, just I just I'm sitting there being like, I should be home learning my lines. I yeah. shouldn't be doing this. I just get so nervous. Um, and uh, but but yeah. I've, what have I seen recently? I, I saw the Ferryman the other day. Uh, I've, I've, got a, I've got a friend in it, and it was it, it was fantastic. I mean, it's a it's a really there's some really amazing and also. I mean, the fact that they've been... I think a new cast is going to come in in, like, a, a few weeks, but, like, those guys have been doing that show for two years right. since London, and it is particular. I mean, what what they're all doing is amazing, but, like, the, I, and I'm really, this is really bad of me. I don't know the, the lead actress's name, right. but the girl who plays the main actress, I, I honestly don't know how she is finding those levels of really? emotion and intensity after two years of doing that show. It's really, really, like, impressive all around. She's, she's amazing in it. Very cool. That's definitely on my list. And yeah, yeah, they announced the replacement casts, and they're they're like also it's like um, I think Brian Darcy James, like some really like, oh, really? like some oh, really wow. good people cool. too. Although Paddy Constantine is pretty talented himself. Yeah, Paddy Constantine is 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 pretty amazing. I mean, yeah, Dead Dead Man's Shoes or Dead Man's Shoes for anyone who hasn't watched it is like I haven't it, seen that. Is it oh, amazing? Oh yeah. Okay. It's a him him and Toby Kebbell in a Shane Meadows film from a while oh. ago that is like. It's a really, yeah. I mean, it's one of those films, again, that I haven't watched since I was a teenager, but when I watched it when I was younger, I was like, this is, this is this film is unreal. Like, yeah, it's very good. Toby, he's he's Toby amazing. one of those guys, too, that I've always, like, I, I always am piqued by what he's doing, and, yeah. like, I feel like I'm surprised it hasn't. I mean, he's obviously a note, but, like, I feel like it, the mm. next level is eluding him. Um... I, I know you've talked about this. You, you haven't seen Cursed Child for obvious reasons. Yep. It's a weird it's a dynamic weird thing. for yes. you to go it there and just, do that. Yeah, it, well, I would just be sitting there thinking that everyone would be watching me for my reactions to the show, and maybe they wouldn't be, but I just oh, I, no, I'm would. too they weirded would. out by that. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. So I'm a bit, I'm, yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit weirded out by that. But I have, I've actually met the director okay. in the last few months, so I was able to like apologize to him personally. I'm sure they're not say, taking no, He does not care. <laughs> he was like, I don't give a fuck. But I was, but I was, but I just, it was still nice to be able to say it to him. Do you, do you know like what happens in it? Like, are you curious just as like someone that's been obviously the guy in that, that franchise of like what happens to that's your character? A good question. I've heard bits and pieces of of what happens to him but I guess no maybe it's bad maybe I, sh I should have been more curious I, <laughs> I, I I haven't been particularly I'm just um, you know I I I think it's probably because, like, in a part of my mind, I'm like, I know I'm going to find out one day. Right. Like, it's going to get through to me. Like, at some point, I just right. haven't been seeking it out. Were you surprised to find out that um, young Dumbledore was actually the super hot Jude Law all this time? <laughs> I mean, um, no, not particularly. I mean, you know, Michael Gammon's pretty hot. Dude. Oh, yeah, obviously. Um, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, no, I think Jude, I actually was like, I was very, very happy with that casting because Jude Law also feels like one of those actors was like, you should have been in the series. We should have had you in by now. How was that not happened so it's it, yeah it's nice it's nice that, that that he is and actually i do think there's something lovely about him playing that 
character and and and, yeah. and sort of you know the talk train pass from Michael to him is a very I'm, he's I'm great. Fully I don't know if you've that. had a, a chance to see it, but he's he's exceptional. At it I've as well. also not seen that one. That one was the first one that I was like because when Fantastic Beast came out, I was like not weirded out by this at all. This is great. Right. This trailer, the trailer for the new one, where I was like, oh shit, Hogwarts. I was like, <laughs> they're on I'm my not, turf. I'm <laughs> not going to be there. That is weird. Like, I, that was the first time where I had a moment of being like, oh, that is kind of weird. Do you think? Okay, so like, again, we've talked so many times about sort of like how you've capitalized in a very smart way in terms of like the cachet that you had in in, in your Harry Potter years on these kind of unique projects post Potter. Do you think like it's ever cost you a role? Do you feel like sometimes? It's in people sure it too has. much. Honestly, like I'm sure I, I don't know which ones or right. what, but I'm I'm sure it has. And I think I maybe have been told once by somebody that they just that they 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 wanted an uh, an unknown for this. But oh, I think the way they put it was actually slightly more. And I I, I honestly I get it. it. They they were saying like we we want somebody that the like doesn't have kind of baggage with mm-hmm. or that the audience isn't coming into. You know, if you're for instance, if you're playing a character who like the point of him is that he is very anonymous and no one cares who he is, then I can see why a director, like, I personally think I'm, that would still work and I can play that, yeah. but I can also totally see a director's point of view of being like, don't want a super famous person playing this part. Like, right. I, I get that. Um, but no, I don't, so to my knowledge, it hasn't, and I also think there's an interesting thing where I think there's, you know, if half the directors in the world saw me as Harry Potter and were like, well, that's all he's ever going to be, and I don't, I don't want him, I don't want that baggage touching my film. Um, there was another, the other half of directors, there's another attitude towards it, which is that I want to be the one to reinvent him. Yes. Um, I'm going to fuck the, with those preconceptions. Exactly. Totally. And I think a lot of directors find that really exciting. So I was kind of like, as soon as I keyed into that, and actually doing Equus was a big part of that, because that made everybody yes. go like, oh, he's going to do, he's up He'll the, go that far, he'll yeah, go that. Yeah, he's going to push himself. Like, mm. I think that I've been told by a few directors since that that was, even if they didn't see it, that was something that kind of made them sit up and take notice, uh, which is nice. But um, yeah, I so I, I feel like... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely like John Krakidis and Killy Darlings was very excited to like get his hands on me and like <laughs> do the first thing since since Potter and and uh, yeah, and I think you know probably there's something to that in um, you know the Swiss Army Man guys and and a, and, a, and a few of those as well. Sure. So where are you at right now in terms of like you talked about the the notion of not wanting to do like a long term series like the, the appeal of this is an anthology kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Where are you at in terms of like films? Like, are you more or less open to kind of ongoing franchises which is like the bread and butter of the film industry right now it is now yeah you're right um yeah look i'm totally open to it but it just has to be like a really good script yeah um and i'm i you know i don't like to talk disparagingly about the studio system it's not it's just it's just a reality of the world we're in that people feel more comfortable taking risks when there's less money involved yes um so the 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 indie world while it is much harder to get things made when you are successful in getting them made there you know you will have more of a chance to be kind of slightly more adventurous right um but no i would do a franchise again in a second if i loved it yeah. like i abs- would have no problems with doing that are, are supporting any- role if possible so i have time to do other things <laughs> um, right. but yeah absolutely are, are any of i mean i guess you did, you mentioned one already i was going to say any of the marvel or dc things doing it for you black panther did it for you black panther i thought was great i mean 
honestly, Deadpool is like one of my favourites. I, right. I think the guys who write it are amazing. I, I, I met with them a couple of times about something ages ago. Oh, they're super smart. Yeah. They're so smart. They're yeah. so funny. The credit sequence in that in movie, the first one, does you know the real heroes here? Right. Um, all that stuff was so good. Um, what was the what was the what do they call Ryan Reynolds? God's perfect idiot was where he was. Very very apropos. So well, again, it's, it's like we were talking like even back to Adam McKay. It's like yeah. it's screwing with the form. It's it's just not being not? lazy. Like yeah. you know why why you know it's a movie you can do what you like it does not have to be naturalistic right um and so yeah i um love those yeah black panther and deadpool were probably my two like favorite ones i'm honestly like and and you will probably notice that those are the ones which require the least amount of information about the rest of the franchise because i haven't like i've got so far behind that it yeah, now you're 20 like, mcu films down yeah like, exactly. i just don't know you know i know captain america and right. thor are people but i don't know how they fit into it anything yet um, and, and actually I do need to see the last Thor movie because apparently the last Thor film was oh, incredible you'll love it I, I mean again knowing your sense of humor yeah. what we do in the shadows is one of my favorite comedies oh, in recent years so good I I know I can't I'll tell you okay, okay. <laughs> okay, sorry um, the um but you, you know, you, you look, you, it, it'll take some time to catch up on the MCU, but we know it's possible because, again, I've known you long enough to know you pre-Star Wars love and post-Star Wars love. Yeah. You caught up there. How, Absolutely. So how far on the, on the pendulum have you swung in the other direction now? Have you seen all the Star Wars films? I've seen all the originals. Okay. Um, I've, I have um, not seen the... Reboot the uh, the prequels or prequels. No? Okay. Thank you. I mean, I've seen Phantom Menace because Phantom Menace was the first one I saw and when I was ten, and I felt like this is amazing, you guys. Charles <laughs> Binks is, is the fucking best. Like this is what a cool character with no problematic <laughs> issues whatsoever. Um, and 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 yeah, so I was very into that, and um, and then you know uh, got into the, the first three. The first three are amazing. Like they really are. Uh, it was so interesting to watch something that you've literally heard hyped your entire life right. and Actually, live up to it, it. <laughs> um, and, and especially in terms of like what's fascinating about those films is like how they shoot action like they are it's all about the characters like it's not about massive stuff it's like close ups on actors doing and you're following those stories within those action sequences right. um, it's the yeah it's, it, I mean it's the emotion in those lightsaber fights it's right. like by like the end of Return of the Jedi it's like a fully like immersive you're like so invested I mean it's, yeah so I was I was I was really blown away by them and I loved uh, Force Awakens and I haven't seen um, the Last Jedi Last yeah. Jedi yet which I heard was amazing I, I know loads of people had problems with I it I loved My it and loved it so much yeah, yeah don't yeah well you're not on Twitter but like don't say anything about Last Jedi or, or Batman these are the two most divisive topics apparently outside of Donald Trump which on the internet What's, which Batman all Batman the, the DCU fans are very very extreme they're very about, so are they saying that like <laughs> Ben Affleck, no good, or Christian Bale, good. Or no, what the, they? the DC fans defend like the Zack Snyder films, so like the Batman versus Superman oh. and Justice League. They're they're insistent that there's a thing called the Snyder Cut, this the version of Justice League that was directed by him before he had to leave. It's a whole oh. thing you don't want any part of. Okay, <laughs> the Snyder Cut. <laughs> Trust me. This okay. is a world you don't need to get wow, into. No, it really seems like not. Um, but yeah, and I, 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 I was less into uh, Rogue One, but mm-hmm. just because I didn't, I don't think maybe I knew enough of the mythology going into it to right. get as much out of it as other people got did. It. I don't know. Got it. Um, I know you have to run, but what's, uh, so you've got, what, what Guns Akimbo? Guns Akimbo. That yeah. sounds crazy. It's, it is crazy. That's by a, um, a young uh, New Zealand filmmaker um, called Jason Lee Howden, who literally, I read this script, which is like some kind of crazy 
action comedy fable about a guy who, after a series of horrible encounters, uh, wakes up one morning with guns surgically attached to his hands. Um, Dan, always going the safe route. Oh, <laughs> always just making these naturalistic movies. <laughs> um, God, shake it up. Um, no, so I, um, so yeah, so I, so you know, I, I, and, and honestly, the scene that sold it to me was like ten pages in, where he has to go to the toilet. And there is a there there is um, I think the line was something like bomb squads are not as careful as this and I I, I just I like I read that and I was like yeah I'm in I'm, I'm you're fully it. utilizing your premise of gun hands I am in um, <laughs> you're living up to the promise yeah. of this concept um, and I do think I actually I'm I'm re- it's me and Samara weaving. Um, it, it's. I, I think it could just be really one of those films that like hopefully like catches people's imagination in the way that Swiss Army Man found its audience. Yeah. Like that's what I'm hoping for Guns Akimbo as well. Uh, you're collecting a great uh, a filmography of bizarre, wonderful, idiosyncratic films, man. You know yeah. I'm there for all of them, and I, and I love that I'm even a small part of making weird shit with you oh, over yeah. the years. Um, certainly, when I was watching Miracle Workers, I was like, oh yeah, like I'm seeing the same kind of like irreverence that we've done in our stupid yeah. pub quizzes and all that stuff. And, and also, uh, it's like those. Uh, were the other times that you've seen me like being very much me yes. on camera so that, that it probably does feel like quite similar to all that actually I love yeah, it. it's I love very it. nice to be I yeah it's going to be a struggle to stop working in comedy it's really I it's doing comedy is just so much it's the best fun. Right? yeah it's the best well you know I'm there for you anytime you want to uh, make weird shit awesome um, you've got a lot of fans in the weird shit world uh, <laughs> congratulations on Miracle Workers everybody should check it out on TBS and uh, we'll talk soon buddy sweet thank you so much man. Thanks, as man. always a pleasure Thanks, ma'am. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>